0: Welcome to the Strong Men, Strong Marriages podcast. Here, we are on a mission to get strong, get attractive, and get the marriage of our dreams. I'm your host, Mike Frazier. Let's do this. All right, men. Welcome to today's episode of Strong Men, Strong Marriages. My name is Mike Frazier, MD, and I help high-achieving men save their marriages. So, Today's is a little bit more of a, a personal kind of thing. My wife and I, we were both raised as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the LDS Church. And, you know, we've both gone through some pretty significant kind of changes in our faith over time. And it was really hard for a long time. <laughs> um, but it's actually become a really good connecting point for us. It's actually caused our marriage to be stronger and I just wanted to share some of the lessons we've kind of learned going through this. So if you're going through something similar, um, you can benefit from it. This is going to be pretty specific to the LDS faith, but you know, it, you can get stuff from any religion. If you and your wife don't quite agree on whatever the religious practice might be, uh, these concepts and principles can help you as well. So I wanted to find, you know, what a faith crisis is. Really, it's a, it's a change in beliefs the most simply. That's how I would define it anyway. And particularly in the LDS church setting, it's doubts about whether the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the one and only true church on the earth with the exclusive claim to the ability to give eternal life to people and give the opportunity to be with your family forever after this life. That's basically what we teach is like this church, it's the way. You got to be baptized in this church. You got to be married in this church if you want your uh, marriage to last after this life. This is the one and only way to do that. So a faith Christ would be you don't really believe that anymore in one sense or another. And in our church, it often feels like either you're in or you're out, like you believe this or you don't. There's kind of not really a middle ground on it. You know, this is the one true church or it isn't. Um, and so if one spouse starts to feel, uh, out, right? Like if you feel like your spouse isn't hundred percent in, then they're going to be out. And that feels very threatening. Okay. For me, what I felt when, so my wife was the first one that kind of started having some questions about the church and not really feeling good there, attending there. Um, so what it brings up is, there's a lot of fear. And for me, what it boiled down to was this feeling like my wife didn't actually want to be with me forever. Cause that's what we teach, right? If you're married in the temple, you're going to be together forever. Um, and so when my wife was like, well, I'm not sure I took it personally, it took me a long time to figure this out, but this was kind of the core of it was feeling like she didn't actually want to be with me or with our kids, right. Or she didn't want our family to continue. And that's very scary. So as a, I'm going to consider like an Orthodox and a less Orthodox spouse or not Orthodox spouse. So what the Orthodox spouse will try, or this is what I tried, right? So there's a lot of fear, a lot of fear of losing my wife. So the Orthodox spouse or their family, they're going to try a lot of things to try to kind of pull them back. Sort of the image I had in my mind was like my wife driving off a cliff is kind of how I felt. And so my job was just like try to grab her and bring her back. So some of the things that, that I would do or that I've seen done is like sending conference talks or scriptures, um, reminding them of past positive experiences with the church, like, you know, reminding them that they had a testimony or reminding them of going on a mission. If they went on a mission, uh, praying for them, not that that's a bad thing to do, but maybe you pray for them in front of the kids or you pray for them like at dinner. <laughs> and so it kind of makes them feel like you're trying to manipulate them which you are right you're trying to manipulate them into coming back to the church uh this is one that I did teaching the kids in front of your wife so like we do a family night lesson and uh you know I'd teach some principle like okay you have to be baptized Jesus taught you have to be baptized you have to be born of water and of the spirit and so you better do that right and I'm teaching it to the kids but my wife's there and it's really directed at her so things like this like hopefully she overhears this right so The driving belief, at least for me, is that my wife, she's going to take herself and my kids away from God. And I've got to stop that from happening. You know, she's wrong and I'm right. And I've got to bring her back. So the feeling with that, right, is a sort of self-righteous anxiety. Like I'm really fearful of her and I'm right. And so she's got to come back so that we can, so we can save our family. And really it's kind of taking God's responsibility on myself saying like, I have to save my family which is pretty messed up when you think about it, you know, trying to take God's power onto myself. But it took me a long time to figure that out. You know, that's what it really is. It's also one up. It's saying I'm right. She's wrong. Like what I believe is better than what she believes. And so, yeah. (laughs) So here's why that doesn't work. Okay. this self-righteous anxiety, it is not attractive. Okay. It gets you worked up. You get fearful, you get anxious, you get angry. Okay. And look, it's it's okay to feel those things. Like you feel betrayed, you feel like your your wife you know walked away from what you agreed to, you kind of changed that agreement. And so yeah, it's hard, right? But look, when you feel fearful, anxious, angry, when you're trying to you know manipulate her and then get her back in, all of that drives her away. We talk a lot about attractiveness. So self-righteous anxiety and one up, it is not an attractive trait, okay, for anybody. So if you're in that mindset and you're in the faith. People are going to associate being in the faith with being in that mindset, and that drives people away. It's going to, Your wife's not going to be want to be in the faith more if you're the type of person that gets freaked out if someone steps away. Okay, does that make sense? We're in that anxiety all the time. People don't want to be around that, okay? And the way you're living and demonstrating your faith is not attractive. It's not going to make her want to be in a faith where you feel self-righteous anxiety and one-up all the time. Okay. So trying to change her, it's not the solution. It doesn't work. It ends up driving her farther away. Okay. She sees all these behaviors and trying to control her and it pulls her away. Okay. You're also trying to do something impossible. You're trying to control her behavior, which doesn't work. People do this in all kinds of ways, but it comes out, especially in uh, religion and, you know, with the LDS faith crisis in particular, I think. So the more you push her to come back to the faith, the less interested she's going to be. That's just what happens. And the more distant she's going to feel from you. And that creates extra strain on your marriage. doesn't necessarily have to be there. So here's what you can do instead, right? Is let yourself feel the difficult emotions that are coming up. Name, feel, deal, name them, feel them in your body, deal with them in an appropriate way, right? You feel scared. You feel sad. You feel betrayed. You feel angry. Okay. Let yourself feel those. Okay. And for me, it boiled down to that sense of like, look, my wife, she kind of, she lied to me. You know, she came in, she said she was going to be faithful and now she's not. She broke her promise to God. She broke her promise to me. So, you know, I felt betrayed. I felt mad. Okay. And really when it came down to it, it was, I took it personally that she didn't really want to be with me forever. And that's what hurt. A lot of times under anger, there's hurt. And for me, it was that. So, you want to share those feelings with your spouse. Let her know, like, this is how I'm feeling at a personal level, right? And possibly do this in a therapy or a coaching setting where you can get kind of some guidance, right? And keep it in a container that's helpful. Especially if you've tried this, you know, on your own, you've tried to explain this, but it just turns into like a huge fight all the time. Okay. Maybe time to, to go see a therapist or a coach. Now, like it's easy to, well, not super easy, but it can be, it's easier to share those feelings than what you need to do next, which is you actually need to listen and try to understand where your spouse is coming from. Okay. You have to listen and try to understand where your spouse is coming from. It's not easy guys. You need to try to value her ideas and opinions as equally valid as yours. This is especially hard. Okay when you've heard millions of times that the LDS church is the one true view, this is the only way to see it. This is God's way to see it. If you don't see it this way, you are wrong. You are off base. You are an apostate. You've broken your covenants, right? You've heard this so many times that it's hard to value someone else's opinion, especially if they were in that for a while and then stepped away. It's like, well, what are you doing? Right? You know that this is what you're supposed to be doing. You know that this is the one way to get back to God. So why are you not doing it? Okay. So again, but that brings up, that's one up. That's the self-righteous anxiety. That's I'm right and you're wrong. Okay. And it drives her away more. It does not work. Okay. So you've got to try to listen and understand and value her opinion as equally valid as yours. Again, it's very hard to do. It's very hard to do, but so important. It's essential. If you want to have a good marriage and you want to stay married, right? And have you be sort of on different places with your faith. Okay. You have to do this. You have to value her opinions as just as valid as yours. The other thing that you, that for me was really helpful is you need to trust that God cares about your wife and kids even more than you do. Okay. You need to trust him to take care of it, right? Instead of you feeling like you have to do all of it and save your wife and your kids from destruction, right? So when you know that God's going to take care of it. Okay. When I started doing this, I started to see really amazing things happen that people would show up in my wife's life and have her have great spiritual experiences that I didn't really have anything to do with. I got to be there to witness it, but I got to just trust that God was going to let that happen and create those opportunities. And then he did. It was awesome. Um, you know, let me relax let me tune into love and understanding more. Guys, this is a long process. I mean, this is happening over years. You know, I'm kind of summarizing it here today and we're in a really good spot now, but we weren't always. (laughs) A lot of that had to do with me. Um, So some of the more helpful things for me, like remember the 11th article of faith. We claim the privilege of worshiping Almighty God according to the dictates of our own conscience and allow all men the same privilege, let them worship how, where, or what they may and women too, right? We allow women that same privilege. Let them worship how, where, what they may, according to the dictates of their conscience, right? Instead of saying, no, this is the way, we say, look, let me understand your conscience. Let me understand what you feel is right. And I want to honor that privilege that you have, okay? Again, trust God to do his work. It's not your job to save your family, okay? He's going to direct you in your part in that, and you can be open to your part in that. this was really helpful to me to say, look, you know, God's got my family. Okay. So like when I, this was like a really cool revelation that I had, I was walking around the backyard thinking about this and thinking about like my wife driving off this cliff, right. Religiously speaking. And then I just had this image of like, God is on the other side of the cliff. Like God's there to catch her and direct her and helper. Right. Okay. That's what I needed at the time. Now I see it more as kind of like, we were both walking towards God the whole time. And I just kind of didn't see it that way <laughs> but at the time that was like a really helpful visual for me another thing that was helpful as i was going through this and much more on the orthodox side was elder irene had a quote in um an article called the hope of eternal family love in the Ensign of august 2016 first presidency message and he says uh a prophet of god once offered me counsel that gives me peace i was worried that the choices of others might make it impossible for our family to be together forever." he said, you are worrying about the wrong problem. You just live worthy of the celestial kingdom and the family arrangements will be more wonderful than you can imagine. So kind of same concept, right? That if you're living in a way that you feel is right, God's going to take care of you and he's going to take care of your family. Especially if, you know, if your spouse is trying to live towards God, this was my situation. My wife was trying to do what she felt was right. She was trying to follow God according to the dictates of her own conscience You know, she wasn't just going off the rails and like, just saying, well, screw all that. You know, I'm going to go, you know, uh, just start doing drugs all the time and having sex with tons of guys. Right. At that point you might just say, okay, like it's time for a divorce. But, um, you know, if your wife or your husband, right. Is trying to find God and, and, or maybe not even God, but just like find the way of living that feels in integrity to them. You know, if you want a great marriage, you got to honor that. Okay. The other thing that was really helpful for me to, to remember is if I want people to follow what I believe, I have to live in a way that they would want to live. That comes back to this thing again. Like if I'm in this like high anxiety, you know, uh, self-righteous, wanna mode, like it's not really a way that people want to live or be around. But if I'm living in love and care for the people and showing like, hey, when I live this way, I feel great. That's what's going to attract people to it. Okay. Another thing, and this took a long time for me to get here, <clears throat> but is to be open to looking at the negatives of the church. Okay, It's really hard to do this, but it is necessary if you want to understand other people and how like, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe our church isn't perfect. Like if you look at some of the history, it's not right. There have been some major issues in the church over time. And so, you know, instead of saying, no, our church is perfect and nothing's wrong with it looking hard and say, whoa, like, wait a second, there are some pretty serious issues here. And, you know, maybe people have a reason that they want to not be part of it. That is valid. Okay. But you have to be willing to kind of look at that, which is hard, right? It takes, you have to be open-minded. For me, it took having to look at myself, right? And seeing like, I wasn't as great as I thought I was. (laughs) I had to go through that experience first. And then I was able to look at the church too and say, well, maybe the church isn't as perfect as I have been taught. Right. And look really closely at, you know, some of the issues. Um, so another one that was helpful when I was kind of before I am now, which is much more open to looking at the negatives of the church and trying to do something about it. Um, if you go to stop LDS um, I have a petition that's designed to, like create a better way that the church handles abuse. Cause I think that's a major area where church needs to improve. Um, but so again, that's, I'm, I'm further along now, but when I was like more orthodox, let's say remembering that some of the apostles only had one parent as a member was really helpful to me saying like, look, even if my wife doesn't, but I do like my kids could still progress in the church. David A. Bednar and Richard G. Scott are the, the couple apostles that only one parent was a member, at least for most of their upbringing. Now, so that's on the Orthodox side, which is my, more my experience, right? But the, on the non-Orthodox side, and I've worked with, you know, um, some people that were on that side that were more men. Um, so, you know, if, if you're on that side, if you're the one stepping away from the church, you may want to try to prove your point to your spouse, right? So you might bring up books or articles or websites or stories showing why the church is not true or not perfect. Okay, um, probably you feel pretty betrayed and angry at the church when you learn some of this stuff. And so that can carry over to kind of like feeling like your spouse is being um, hurt by the church and like wanting to save her. So kind of like a similar thing, right? You're trying to save her from, you know, the harm that's being done to her by the church or the, her being tricked or fooled or she's being foolish by believing these things. Okay. Um, the other thing you might feel like is that if your spouse stays in the church, she's not supporting you and she's actually supporting an organization that harmed you. I know my wife kind of felt this way towards me and understandably. So not that it's very helpful, but it's an understandable feeling. Okay. Or maybe you stop wearing garments or you stop attending church meetings or you start drinking alcohol or coffee right, or tea or whatever. And you actually feel good about those decisions. You feel like, Hey, you know, I'm okay with doing that. Um, but then you're like, well, look, I'm doing this and you should just deal with it. Right. Being mad if your spouse like makes a big deal about these, Okay. So it's kind of the same thing. It's, it's one up in the, in a different way. It's saying like, no, I'm going to do what I want and you need to just deal with it instead of understanding, Hey, like, this is pretty hard. You know, I kind of thought it was going to be this way that we were going to live in the church this way. And now you're changing that and that's hard. Right. So your overriding thought might be if you're the one that's becoming less orthodox, right? You're you're probably thinking the church is not what it says it is, and why can't you see it, right? Why do you support something that's doing harm? Okay, why won't you support and understand me? Why is why is my point of view not valid? Okay. So your feelings are gonna be anger, fear, betrayed, wanting to be hurt and understood. And sometimes, you know, this same feeling of self righteous anxiety and anger, and sometimes one up. Again, like she's right and I'm wrong. or I'm ahead of her, right? I'm spiritually progressed. You know, this is kind of like childhood stuff that you should believe in this. And then you need to grow up to a higher stage of development. Okay. So here's why this doesn't work. Okay. Your Orthodox spouse, she still gets a lot of comfort from the church. You know, she still sees good things there. So any of your attempts to convince them the church is not true, it's likely going to cause your spouse to dig in even more. Okay. Whenever it's like that parable of the sun and the wind, right? So there's a guy with his coat. Um, the sun and the wind make a, uh, make a, a bet who can get the guy's coat off. So the wind goes first, he blows and blows. What does the guy do? Holds on tighter to his coat. Okay. So when you're in there trying to prove to your wife or like, Hey, look, it's not true. Look at all this stuff. Here's the evidence, right? She's just going to grab on more. Nope. Don't want to listen. Don't believe it. I've had too many good experiences. I'm not going to hear it. Right. And then the sun comes out and just shows. And then the guy takes his coat off on his own. So the equivalent of that is just saying, hey, like, let me understand where you're at. And, you know, here's where I'm at. If you're you know, willing to listen to that. Okay. Just showing a better way. Okay. All right. So the other thing is, you know, seeing you quote unquote break your covenants, right? If you stop wearing garments, if you start not living the word of wisdom. Okay. Especially if you don't explain what you're doing and why you're doing it, it's going to cause really high anxiety and fear for your eternal well-being as well as your kids and your spouses, right? Like when you do that again, in the Orthodox LDS mindset, you are damaging the eternal welfare of everybody, your whole family, right? Kids, your grandkids, all of that. And so just understanding, like that's creating a really hard struggle for your spouse. Okay. So if you just do that without telling them, that's pretty insensitive, really. I mean, it's, it's mean. So don't, don't do that. Don't just start like, well, I'm going to do what I want. Right. Or not tell not explain to your spouse why you're doing that and try to understand where they're coming from. Okay. The other thing too, is if you're hundred percent convinced that you're right and your spouse is wrong, you're actually doing the same thing that you're upset about your spouse doing. Right. Like your spouse is saying, this is the one and only true church. So there's no other way. And you're saying, no, you're wrong. Like there is another way. So you're both just saying, I'm right. And you're wrong. So it's the same problem. Okay. So here's what you need to do instead. You need to be patient and understanding with your spouse. Look, respect that they get comfort and feel good in the church. You can look for the good things the church does teach. It does teach a lot of really great things. Okay. You want to explain clearly to your spouse why you're doing what you're doing before you do it. Okay. If you're going to start drinking alcohol, explain to your spouse beforehand why. Right? If you're going to stop wearing garments, stop going to temple, or stop attending church, explain to your spouse why first. Okay. Try to understand that it's going to be hard for them. Okay. If they're interested in it, share the information, resources, or experiences that informed your faith transition. Okay. But don't force them if they're not interested. You know, when you're explaining, Hey, look, I'm not going to wear garments anymore. Here's why it would probably make sense to say, you know, I read this or I experienced this and that's, that's why I'm doing it. Okay. I know that's going to be hard on you, but that's what feels in integrity and you know, how I want to be. And they might still be upset, but at least you took the time to try to understand. And you can try to understand. Look, I know that's hard. I know you probably feel like, you know, I'm I'm causing damage and going to ruin our eternal welfare, but I just don't feel that way anymore. I know that's hard for you, but I don't believe that anymore. I believe we're still going to be together, even if I don't do this, right? Again, just my experience was that was the hardest thing is feeling like my wife didn't want to be with me forever. So if you're the one that's kind of becoming less orthodox, if you can just remind your spouse, like, Hey, look, I still want to be with you. Assuming that's true, right? Look, I still want to be with you. I just don't think I actually have to follow these things to be with you. I think I'll still be with you. Even if I don't do these things, that'll probably lessen your spouse's anxiety quite a bit. Okay. So if, if your spouse is kind of like, following along that same path. Like, let's say you, this is again, my experience, my wife kind of had questions first. And then I started looking at some of the negatives of the church and I had my own questions. And, um, so you just want to be patient try not to take it personally. There's a lot of things to consider, you know, how's this impact family, especially if your family's been in the church for a long time, how's it affect them? Siblings, aunts, uncles, right? All of this, you know, in the, in the church family's important, right? And when you, decide not to be as orthodox as you were before or leave the church completely, you know, it causes, again, all these reactions in your family too, this high anxiety, the fear for your eternal welfare, right? This desire to bring you back in. So, you know, just be understanding of that. So how do you work together through, you know, an LDS faith crisis? So you want to be honest about what you believe and don't believe with each other, right? Even if you know your spouse won't like it, this is the hard part. Right? There's no there's no easy time to have this conversation. Hey, you know, um, I just don't think you need to go to the temple anymore. I don't think that the Book of Mormon actually was um, you know, written like transcribed or translated from plates. I think Joseph just made it up, basically. Uh, there's no easy time to have these conversations. <laughs> these are not easy things to say, but if it's true, right, it needs to be brought up. Okay. And Even though your spouse might get mad, they might get angry, you just have to have this conversation and you need to try to understand your spouse's point of view, but you also can't live in a way you feel is not how God would want you to live or how you feel is right to live. If you're not really even connected to God now, it's just like that internal sense of right and wrong that I feel like we all have, you know, we all have that conscience. You try to live again with the article of faith, try to live according to the dictates of your conscience. Right, that's the only way you're going to feel fulfilled in your life, right? Is if you're living according to your conscience. So, you be honest, okay? You share where you're at. This is what I feel my conscience is dictating. I need to do right now. It's a pretty good way to put it. (laughs) I just came up with that right now. Um, Yeah, this is what my conscience dictates I should be doing in this moment. Okay, good way to share it. So, each of you try to understand each other's point of view, okay? be willing to take a look at the good and the bad. Okay. That's really the only way you're going to be sort of, you know, open to this is if you try to understand and be willing to look at good and bad value opinions equally. This is hard to do. Again, when you've heard over and over, ours is the one true way to think about things, right? When someone presents an opposing one, it's kind of like, oh yeah, but you're wrong. Yeah, I can value that, but you're wrong. (laughs) Right? So you want to value that opinion. Don't think, Oh, well, she's just lazy or she's, you know, just doesn't want to live it. You know, she just wants to quit. She's a quitter. She doesn't want to work hard. Right. All that is kind of what we often think about people that, that, uh, question faith or want to leave. Um, but it's not necessarily true. You know, there's billions of people out there that don't believe the same way we believe in the church. Um, doesn't mean they're all idiots, even though that's kind of what we, think sometimes or they have some truth but we have all of it, right? Um but it creates a real problem, guys. When we think that way, we really shut down our ability to learn from others and connect with other people. We need to value the opinions of others, including on religious matters, just as valuable as what we believe, right? And be open to those thoughts. Because if we're not, it's going to create all these same problems. We're gonna kind of listen, but then just try to prove our point. Or kind of listen, but then just say, well, what I believe is better. Okay. Which is comfortable, but it's not attractive. Okay. It's not gonna help your marriage to think that way. So remember too, a lot of a lot of the anxiety comes from what's gonna happen with our kids. You know, if, if one of us believes this way and the other one doesn't, you know, what are they gonna do? Just remember your kids are gonna to choose to believe what they're gonna believe, whether you both have the same beliefs or not. Like I'm sure, you know, families where both the parents were very orthodox and not all the kids stuck with the church. Um, I'm sure you've seen that that happened in my own family, right? Grew up in a very orthodox family, which I'm grateful for in a lot of ways. Um, you know, we grew up with very good values, but you know, two of my brothers don't go to church at all. Uh, they found their own, you know, ways. My wife and I were kind of working things out right now. Um. So look, people are going to choose what they're going to choose. So again, coming back to that quote from Elder Iron, you just live according to the dictates of your conscience, right? Live the way you feel is right. Trust God. Trust God. Have faith, right? Things are going to work out. They really are. Okay. So I guess what I'm saying is don't worry so much, right? Like understand God wants your children to be with him too right? Just as much as you do. And he's going to organize that and he's going to let you know your part in it, whatever that might be. Okay. And then, so you, you this is the, the principle for anything to work on in your marriage, but with the LDS faith crisis, right? You need to find solutions that work for both of you. So you be honest about where you're at and then you find solutions that work for both of you. Cause you can't find solutions that work for both of you. If you're not being honest about what works and what doesn't, so that has to come first. Okay. So you say, here's where I'm at. And then you find solutions that are going to work for both of you. So with church and temple attendance, right? Are we going to go or are we not? How often are we going to go? Are you going to get a temple recommend or not? Right. Tithing. How are we going to do that? Are we going to pay some, or are we not going to pay it? Are we going to, you know, divide it in half? Cause you believe and I don't, right. Find something that works for both of you with word of wisdom. Well, I don't really think I need to live that. Well, maybe you negotiate and you say, well, I don't really want you drinking in front of the kids. Why don't we not do it that way? it's going to be unique for each of you, but you just got to find things that work for both of you. Okay. With scriptures, how are we going to do that with family home evening? How are we going to do that? Um, so I like I'll give you some ideas from our own kind of family. Right. So, you know, I take the kids to, uh, to church. Um, you know, we have, uh, we have callings. Um, uh, my wife has one where my wife doesn't attend church. So she does like stuff with the activity days. Um, you know, with, uh, scriptures, we kind of do that a little bit differently where we just do spiritual experiences from the day. And we, scriptures might be part of that. They might not Family healing. We still do. We still enjoy that. Um, you know, with callings, that's more of a personal thing. You know, what do I think I can do and what can I not? The other thing too, is like, there's an open discussion about this, mm-hmm. you know, as time goes on, we try to, you know, as things change, we just decide how we're going to, you know, do these things. Okay the last part of this, right. Is you need to be willing to have a win-win or a no deal, right? It's, it is possible that a faith difference, it'll be a deal breaker and end in divorce. That is possible. Um, but you know, before you just say, cause look, like I used to think this way. I used to think if my wife ever has questions or, or doesn't want to go to church, that's the end of our marriage. I hundred percent thought that. So if you're thinking that right now, you know, I understand it, but being kind of on the other side of that now, like we are closer than we've ever been. Our marriage is better than it's ever been because you know we've been able to be open and find solutions that work for both of us in something that's been very difficult. Okay, um, so it really can be a catalyst for a better, stronger marriage if you let it. Okay, right? you got to consider closely what's the effect of that. Right, if you divorce your wife, look if you have kids, they're going to go to church with you and probably not with her. Right. And you know, what's going to be going on when they're over with her, you don't know. Okay. What are the kids going to think if you say, okay, like you don't, basically what you say, if you divorce your wife, if she doesn't follow what the church teaches is you're saying, I basically don't want to have much to do with you either kid, child, son, daughter, if you don't follow the church, right. That's a relatively clear message to them which is and at the end of the day, it's problematic. you know um, it, it doesn't end up creating the type of relationship that you that you want with your kids uh, to say, you know, toe the line, follow this, or you're dead to me, right? I mean that's the message you're sending if you just say, "Hey, wife, you don't want you don't want to follow this, then we're done. okay That is the message you're sending to your kids is, if you don't follow this, we're also done. Right. So that's an effect you're going to have. Divorce is just hard anyway. You know, there's lots of, you know, there's splitting assets and all of that. And, um, you know, it's not easy. I'm not going to say it's never the right decision. It may be, but you need to really look closely and consider the idea that this could be actually a really good opportunity to strengthen your marriage and to open your own mind to different ideas and you know, see a world that you didn't see before. That's what it's been for me anyway. Like, I feel like I am much less judgmental than I was before going through this. I feel like I do value other religious and spiritual opinions much more than ever. I used to never really understand the difference between spirituality and religion. I thought they were one and the same because that's kind of, I think, what we grew up with in the church. I don't see it that way now. Um, so overall, it's been great for me too to, to grow. And I feel like this is, has been a growing process for me spiritually. Um, so again, don't just think it has to be the end. (laughs) If your spouse has differences in opinion, or they're having a faith crisis and you guys are not on the same page, it really can turn into something great. Okay. Um, and the last thing I'd say is like, just consider, right. If you can trust that if you're both doing what you feel is good and right. Okay. I'm going to make the assumption that, you know, your spouse isn't again, just like saying, well, you know, I'm just going to go do drugs and, uh, and have sex and, you know, go murder people and you should stay married to her. You know, probably not. That's probably a good reason to divorce. But if your wife just says, look, I don't want to go to church. I want to pursue God this way. You know, I want you to consider, can you trust that if she's following the dictates of her conscience, if she's trying to do what she believes is right, and you are also trying to do what you believe is right within the church, okay, and she's trying to do what's right outside the church, can you trust and believe that maybe God and Jesus, who love you and your family perfectly, will work things out? Could you believe that that could happen? If you're pursuing God through the church, your wife's not through the church, but other way, that God will work that out and bless your family because of that. Right. Personally, I like to believe that. And um, I would recommend that you consider that as something to believe as well. All right, guys. So if you're going through an LDS faith crisis or your wife is, or you both are together, right? Hopefully you found this useful and uh, stay strong, men. We will see you next episode.